So today, we are uh, continuing a series we've done throughout this entire year, which is about our core values. And these are the things that we care about the very most. Um, we, have, we have 13 core values at X Church that God gave us when we very first started this church, when we planted it. And, and core values are so important. Whether you think it or not, you have core values in your life. You have things that you value the most. And the things you value the most will steer your life. Whatever it is you value the most is what's going to steer your life in a certain direction. And that's the same for us as a church. The reason why we really, really hold strong to these values is we believe these values are not only the foundation, they're kind of the guidance as we continue to walk out our journey as a church to find out who we should be. It's kind of our DNA foundation. It's, it's so much to us. So I wanted to kind of share with you throughout this year our core values so you would understand them. And know them, because if you're part of this church, um, I want them to be your values as well. Um, it's not just us, it's, it's us, we're the church. So um, today, um, I was just thinking about the fact that, is it just me, or does it seem like there is a, a controversy every day anymore nowadays, right? I don't know if it's the product of like our 24-hour news cycle or because we have like our Facebook feeds now and we're all connected via all the social media, but doesn't it seem like every day there's a new controversy? There's a new like this person did this thing or these two people disagree on this subject or there's this sharp rift between these people. Controversy in general, it basically just means a heated public dispute. It means that people are on different sides of something and it, it gets pretty heated. And man, it seems like every day there's a new controversy that I hear, a new controversy that I hear. And sometimes they're really, really important things where you're like, okay, it makes sense that people would be on both sides of this and they would be yelling at each other and, and really, really interested in the, the results. But sometimes the controversy is just ridiculous, isn't it? Do you guys remember, it's been, actually it's been like a few years now, I think. Do you remember when your newsfeed was clogged up for like two weeks of people arguing and fighting about whether or not a dress was blue and black or yellow and white. There was like two weeks that everyone was posting this dumb picture and screaming, it's blue, it's black. Like, what is this? Like, how is this a controversy that people are yelling at each other about, right? It's crazy. Um, whether it's something that's really, really uh, simple or whether it's something that's really, really, man, important, um, I think the problem is, is we can kind of get burnt out on controversy. I think we're so connected with our 24-hour news cycle, with our, our social media every day. I think that controversies used to stand out. Now it's just like, well, of course, there's a controversy every day. Well, the problem with that is some controversies are important. Um, sometimes when there's a divide on a subject, where there's a conversation and an argument on a subject, that controversy is there because the issue or the idea or the, the person, it's a really important conversation to have. That's why it exists. And in fact, the idea of being controversial, which can seem like a negative thing, we, we would call people that usually as a, a negative or a pejorative statement against them, right? Oh, they're controversial. But, but in all reality, controversial isn't necessarily a bad word, is it? Some people who accomplished great things throughout history in, in our nation and the world were extremely controversial, weren't they? People had differing opinions on them. Now, why this is important to us is because we're a Christian church, and we focus our eyes on this guy Jesus from, from years and years ago. And I'm telling you, Jesus was extremely controversial, 
Jesus was extremely controversial when you read about him. I know most people might think, well, Jesus, he seems like he's that peaceful guy. He's that that calm guy we read about in stories. I heard about him in Sunday school years and years ago, or people reference him. He's this, this very peaceful, calm guy. How could he be controversial? But he was. While he was here, massive controversy surrounded his life. Sharp divides of people. So that actually takes us to one of our core values, which is this. Acts Church is controversy follows Jesus. We believe this. Controversy follows Jesus. It's one of our core values. And the reason why this is so important to us is because we believe that then we're going to see controversy too as a church. Here's how we say it. We follow Jesus, so controversy follows us. We aren't afraid of being called names or questioned about our beliefs by religious people. The same thing happened to Jesus. We want to do things that other churches won't do so we can reach people that other churches won't reach. Now, We don't just want to be controversial for controversy's sake. That's not the idea. It's not that we just want to create controversy and have a bunch of people talking about us. That's not it. But as we look at Jesus, and that's that's our focus always, is trying to say, yeah, we need to focus in on on who Jesus is and being like him. Man, when we see that, we realize Jesus, he he was super controversial. The things he did on this earth while he was here, uh, it it created mass controversy. A lot of things he did. There's there's this really interesting story of him in in the book of Mark. Mark 3, 1 through 6. It says that Jesus ends up going to the synagogue, and that would be like the Jewish equivalent of just like the church on the weekend, on the Sabbath. And it says, He went into the synagogue again and noticed a man with a deformed hand. Since it was the Sabbath, and that would have been Saturday back then, the Sabbath moved to Sunday after Jesus' resurrection, but Saturday back then, Jesus' enemies watched him closely. If he healed the man's hand, they planned to accuse him of working on the Sabbath. They had known Jesus had been traveling and healing people, but for them, I mean, especially at this time, the Sabbath was a harsh law. I mean, it literally is. I don't know if you guys know your commandments, but it's one of the Ten Commandments. It's a big deal. No one does any work on the Sabbath. It's really, really strict. It's a law for these people. And they were saying, you know, if he heals this guy, that's working on the Sabbath. That's what he does. So anyways, Jesus said to the man with a deformed hand, come and stand in front of everyone. Then he turned to the critics and asked, Does the law permit good deeds on the Sabbath, or is it a day for doing evil? Is this a day to save life or to destroy it? But they wouldn't answer him. He looked around at them angrily and was deeply saddened by their hard hearts. Then he said to the man, Hold out your hand. So the man held out his hand, and it was restored. At once the Pharisees went away and met with the supporters of Herod to plot how to kill Jesus. Jesus comes into this situation, and it's the weekend, it's the Sabbath, and he sees this guy who needs a touch from the Lord. And he knows these people, if he does it, they're going to say, you are breaking one of God's laws to do this. And Jesus doesn't shy away from it. It's super controversial. Jesus steps out of what was religiously considered right. He steps out of really, at this time, this Jewish culture. This was their law. This was like what they had as written law. He stepped out of what even was legal on that day and said, no, this is what's actually more important is to do what's right. It's not about just this law. Super controversial. I mean, so much so that literally the guys who have been disliking Jesus, who have been hating on him, when this happens, they say, we're going to go and we're going to get this guy killed. He is way too controversial. Look at him. He's already breaking laws. He has people following him. We got to stop this guy at any cost. We're going to find out how we can kill him. Now, if that seems controversial, this next one, you're going to be like, 
blown away, okay? This next story of Jesus, it would have rocked the 24-hour news cycle for at least a few days, right? This would have been the topic. It would have been at the top of that Facebook little thing where it gives you your notifications, what's trending, what people are talking about it. And I don't know what it would be called, something like hashtag Jesus Temple, hashtag Temple Gate, hashtag tables. I don't, you'll see. John 2, 13 through 16, it says it was nearly the time for the Jewish Passover celebration. So Jesus went to Jerusalem. That's important. That's the, that's the very center. That's the hub of the Jewish faith. That's the big city. That's where everyone is going for, for Passover. So this is like a huge celebration. In the temple area, he saw merchants selling cattle, sheep, and doves for sacrifices. He also saw dealers at tables exchanging foreign money. Now look at this, verse 15. Jesus made a whip from some ropes and chased them all out of the temple. He drove out the sheep and the cattle, scattered the money changers' coins on the floor, and turned over their tables. Then going over to the people who sold doves, he told them, Get these things out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a marketplace. Holy cow, right? Wow. Jesus goes into the situation, and, and he doesn't think it's right. But, I mean, instead of, like, politely approaching these people and being like, You know, I don't think this is appropriate. I think we should stop this. He makes a whip. He slaps people with a whip, chases out their animals, flips their tables. This is, he scatters like the coin jars, right? Like whatever, their, their tills that they were keeping money in, throws it all over. Money's flying everywhere. He's chasing people out, yelling at them, driving them out of this temple. Holy, I mean, this, this would have done, could you imagine the conversation that would come if something like this would happen today? Big celebration, Christian celebration, this person walks in and just flips the tables. I mean, it was nuts. I'm sure that in the, in the days and the weeks to come, this was the talk of the town. Passover is literally this huge celebration, everyone came together. I know what everyone was talking about at Passover, right? Everybody was saying, did you hear about this guy? Jesus, he's crazy. Came in, flipped all these tables. He was whipping people. It was nuts, right? And I'm sure a whole bunch of people were saying maybe, well, maybe that was right. You know what? That's supposed to be a temple. And a whole bunch of people were saying, you know what? That was ridiculous. He could have done something different. He could have he asked nicely. He could have done this. Controversy, man. Controversy. Now, it's interesting because we who are believers in Jesus, we know that Jesus never wants sin. So this wasn't sinful, what he did. Now, that's interesting. Take a step back. That anger, making a whip, driving people out of there, none of that was sinful. We know that. But it was extremely controversial, wasn't it? Can you imagine all the people who would stand up and say, this doesn't seem right that you would treat people like this. This doesn't seem, there's differing opinions. He was controversial. Not only that, but Jesus said things that, was, that were controversial. He not only just did things, he said so much that was controversial in here. He traveled around and he taught. And as he taught, man, he he could see it. People just split left and right. He even says this. He identifies it himself. He knows that the message that I'm speaking, the life that I'm living, it is not going to be something that unifies people. It's going to divide them. Listen to what he says in Matthew 10, 34-36. He says this. This is Jesus' words. Don't imagine that I came to bring peace to the earth. I came not to bring peace, but a sword. I've come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Your enemies will be right in your own household. Man, that is a shocking statement from Jesus, isn't it? I didn't come to bring peace, I brought a sword. And people go, wait a second, okay, 
Jesus is called the Prince of Peace. There's all this stuff with peace. And, and yeah, he does. In the long run, in, in eternity, Jesus came to bring peace. But he knew when I come here, let me be honest with you, on this earth, my message is not going to cause peace. It is going to cause controversy. He said so much so that some of you, one of your family members is going to become a Christian. Or one of your family members is going to say, I, I can't stand those Christians. And it's going to cause these divides that are so sharp, it literally splits families. Some of you, this is your life. Some of you got serious about your faith, and all of a sudden, your family changed their opinion on you substantially. You're no longer the same family member you were. They treat you different. They talk about you different. The relationship is different. We've had situations in our church where a younger person has given their life to Jesus, right? Someone who's in high school, someone who's in college. They went back and tell their parents, and it's all but disownment from their parents. All but disownment to say, so I didn't raise you good enough that you chose that? And all of a sudden, this sharp divide grows between the family. He said, my message is is so extreme that he says, it will. It will cause divides even in your own family. It will be controversial. Now, why? Because because Jesus' message is so radically extreme. Jesus' message wasn't this this, this simple thing. It It was very, very divisive because of how radical it was. Listen to what he says in this in this next verse that I want to read to you. And you, you can just imagine, can't you? I mean, it literally says after this, when Jesus said things like this, a crowd would come, and all of a sudden the crowd would split, and some would stay, and, and many would leave. Listen to what he says here in Luke 14, 25-27. A large crowd was following Jesus. He turned around and said to them, If you want to be my disciple, you must hate everyone else by comparison. Your father and your mother... Wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. Jesus turns around and he absolutely splits the crowd. He says something so radical. Did you guys, could you even imagine that Jesus literally said, Hate your mom? Hate your mom. That was one of Jesus' statements that he made. Now, let me, let me clarify this, because I don't want you guys to be like, oh, what, what in the world? This is totally throwing me, right? Jesus is trying to make a comparison of how, how amazingly radical faith in him was. And he says, listen, if you want to follow me, it's not going to be this half-hearted. Maybe I'll give you some of my time. Yeah, maybe you're the Messiah. Maybe you're not. He says, if you really, really want to follow me, be my disciple. He says, it has to be that you put me above everything, even your own life. He says, think about it like this. And this is why I think he said this. Think about how much you love your mom. Now, I know some of us, we don't have good mom stories. And, and if that's you, think about someone else who maybe was that person who nurtured you, who raised you. That person who gave you everything. And he says, you know like how you think about your mom, how you you trust that person so much. They were always there to take care of you. They gave you everything you needed. I need to be more important than that. I need you to trust me more than you trust her. I need you to love me more than you even love her. He says, that's the kind of faith that I'm looking for. That's radical. He says, not only that, but, but if I was to compare it, he says, I need to be so loved that that next person on the list, like if it's me and then it's your mom, that you love me so radically that the next stop, the next stop on your scale of love, you love me so much that that would almost seem like hate because it's so far apart with how much you love me. Man, those are radical statements. 
And it did. It divided the crowd. It said time after time when Jesus would say stuff like this, a whole bunch of people would say, this is hard teaching, and they would walk away. Many times, he literally, I remember one time he pointed to his disciples, and he says, are you going to leave too? And Peter says, where would we go? You're the only one who has the words of life. I mean, he said radical things. He was extremely controversial. And he saw this happen. People would either fall deeply in love with him and they would, they would focus in on him or they would turn around and they would just belittle him. They would, they would t- mock him, talk bad about him. Listen how Jesus puts this in Matthew 11. He's talking about the people who turn away from him. He knows it's true. Jesus identifies it. He says, man, this is common that people turn away from me, they don't care for me, and they say bad and nasty things about me. Listen what he says. He says, for John, and that's talking about John the Baptist, didn't spend his time eating and drinking. And you said, he's possessed by a demon, the son of man, and that's what Jesus called himself. On the other hand, he feasts and drinks. And you say, he's a glutton and a drunkard and a friend of tax collectors and other sinners. But wisdom is shown to be right by its results. Jesus said, there are so many of you that when, when I, I spoke my message, you didn't get it, you turned, around, you turned away. And he says, you should hear the things that they say about me. Because I'm a person who isn't, isn't super, super religious about all these different fasting things, Jesus actually wasn't. They called, him, they called him a glutton. They said he's always eaten. They called him a drunkard because he was at parties where, where they had wine. And they said he's a drunk. They talked about the fact that they totally thought that, that he was just this terrible, sinful person because whenever they saw Jesus walking around, he was surrounded by all these people who had all this sin in their life. And they said a prophet would surely not hang out with all those sinners. He would separate himself from all that, from all those, those filthy people. And Jesus was right there with them. He knew he had controversy. He had a group of people who were so faithfully in love with him they were willing to die And then he had a group of people who were so completely opposed to him that they wanted him dead. People who were willing to die for him, people who were willing to kill him. That's how radical the divide was. Now, it's not just that Jesus was controversial. He definitely was. Jesus is controversial today. It's not that he was controversial and then all of a sudden, you know, society changed and now everyone's just fine with Jesus. No, it's not the case at all. In fact, he is just as controversial today. The things he did, the things he said. I mean, the, the biggest one that we go back to, that, that no one in our, in our society right now, because of our relativistic, pluralistic, what's good for you is good for you, what's good for me is good for me society... Jesus one time trying to clarify for his disciples. They're talking about this eternal life, a life beyond this life. And and how would we get to that life? How would we get to this eternal life? And listen what Jesus says in John 14, 6. Jesus told him, I'm the way, the truth, and life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Jesus says, you're looking for this life after this life, and it's there. He says, the guy who created it, the Father, he has created this life after this. But how everyone's talking about how it's all about just, you know, whatever you believe, there's many paths to it, that if you believe faithfully enough, and I believe faithfully enough, and and maybe that's right for you, he says, it doesn't work. He says, there's one path, and it's me. That's why I'm here. I'm the answer to restore that connection with God, to bring you to that place of eternal life. Man, this this is extremely controversial today. Relativism is at an all-time high. We are back to like the times of Jesus where everyone thinks it's just about, you know, whatever's good for you. And Jesus says it doesn't work. It doesn't work. 
We know it doesn't work realistically in our own world, right? If you go to the doctor and he says, the problem is, is, you know, you're overweight and you're struggling, your heart is having a hard time because you eat garbage all the time. And he says, you got to cut out this diet and you have to start exercising, you have to do this in order to live. And you say, no, I think I'm going to double down on Whoppers and, and, uh, and, and Butterfingers. That's what's right for me. He's going to say, that's great, you're going to die. Relativism doesn't work on even the most practical of scales, does it? There's truth. There's real. And Jesus says, that's why I'm here, because I have to bring you truth. And friends, this is, this is radically offensive. If you believe this, when people ask you about it and you share this with them, oh, offense. Big offense. They're going to tell you that you're, you're narrow-minded. They're going to tell you that you're, that you're offensive and that you, you, you're offending those people by not doing that. You're going to say, I'm not offending them. I'm trying to save them, right? I'm trying to give them the truth of the fact. Jesus is extremely offensive today. Not only that, but just the teaching that he brought. The teaching that he brought about stuff like life, money, family, sex, everything in our world. He talked about it while he was here. And the things he said are still radically controversial today. The things he said about how we're supposed to live, our interaction with each other, the fact that our, our, our actions, our body, the way we spend money, the way we do things, it has a reflective nature to God and that we're actually underneath of his authority and that we should follow these plans for our life. I'm telling you, that is terribly offensive. People want to say, so you're telling me I have to change? Yes. Yeah. God loves me just the way I am. Yes, he does. And he loves you enough to not leave you the messed up person you are. That's the point is he said, I, I love you who you are, but no, there are greater things for your life than who you are. If Jesus didn't want to change us one bit, how powerless would our faith be? I mean, would you really want to serve a God who says everything's fine with you, you're good? Well, then that means that all of your problems, all your struggles, there's no chance of them getting better. You're just stuck where you are. No, Jesus is saying, I love you where you are. I have greater for you. That there are truths and there are realities that you place your life into. And when you do, it's going to take you to this place where I really can. I can fix these things. I can take you to the place where you really are living life and life to full. We believe that when culture and God's word disagrees, culture needs to change, not God's word. We believe that when Jesus taught something, and if people say that seems old-fashioned, we say it's not old-fashioned. Man, it's timeless. It was before time that this was the truth. I hate that stuff all the time. When you talk about stuff like sex, you talk about money, and they say, oh, you know, your views are so old-fashioned. You say, really? Because I can go back to the first book in the Bible only a few years after the fall, and I can see people committing the same sins you're committing today. What I'm reading actually came after that, so you're old-fashioned. I'm new school, okay? Jesus is terribly offensive even today. Even today. Not only that, but Jesus said that if you're going to follow him, you're going to face the same thing. Jesus knew this was going to be the case for us. So listen to what he says here. This is Jesus talking to his disciples, but, but you can see that he, he's reaching even beyond his disciples out to us about what our life is going to be like. Listen to this. John 15, 18 through 22. He says this, If the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. The world would love you as one of its own if you belong to it. But you're no longer part of the world. I chose you to come out of the world so it hates you. Do you remember what I told you? A slave is not greater than the master. Since they persecuted me, naturally they're going to persecute you. 
And if they listen to me, they would listen to you. They will do all this to you because of me, for they've rejected the one who sent me. Jesus says, if if you're going to follow me, you're not on the same team as the world. He says, I came here, and what I spoke, what I preached is offensive to this world. It's controversial. He says, if you're going to follow me, you're going to face the same controversy too. You're going to face the same controversy. The same people who hate me, who despise me in what I said, they're going to hate you when you say that you follow me. Friends, controversy follows Jesus. If we're following Jesus, then controversy is going to follow us. Jesus came to bring peace, and he does. For us who have Jesus in our lives, I can tell you, I have peace like none other inside of my heart. I have peace about about the end of my life. I have peace about where I'm going eternally. I have peace about how circumstances work out. But I do not have peace in this world. I do not have peace with the surroundings around me, the people around me, the culture around me. My beliefs and my thoughts are different. It's offensive to them, and it hurts me when I hear theirs. I see that they're so lost from what the truth is. Yeah, when, when we meet Jesus, he brings peace, but, but it, it means strife right here and now in the world around us. What we believe is so radically different, and those who hate Jesus, they're going to hate us too. That might be coworkers, that might be friends, it might be students at school with you, that might be family. It's part of the game. So what does this mean for Acts Church? It means that we are not afraid of controversy. We're not. In fact, we embrace controversy. We believe that controversy follows Jesus. So one of the sheer signs that we know we're following Jesus is when controversy follows us. We know we're headed in the right path. This is why we don't ever mind when we get hate mail, which we do. Usually it's hate email. People are lazy with their hate mail nowadays. No one will actually take the time. I feel, I'm like, no one will take the time to actually write a letter and put it in the post anymore. They just send an email off, or they send me a Facebook message. But we, we, we laugh when we get our hate mail, because we realize that's what happened to Jesus. We're not worried when we get angry phone calls, when we hear about Christians or other people talking behind our backs. It doesn't worry us, because the same thing happened to Jesus. We believe that controversy follows Jesus, so of course it's going to follow us. It's the reason why we're not afraid to talk the way we do as a church. What I mean is, we are willing to to talk in a way that is understandable to pre-Christians, even if it causes misunderstandings with Christians. Let me say it again. We're willing to talk in a way that's understandable for pre-Christians, even if it causes misunderstandings with Christians. There's been plenty of times that pastors or other people have called me and said, this seems offensive. And I said, it seems offensive because you're a Christian. Doesn't if you're a pre-Christian. It doesn't if you're a pre-Christian. It reaches into their world. I'm not disrespecting any of this, but I'm speaking the language that they're speaking and I'm bringing them into this. And I'm willing to have that second conversation with a Christian. The problem is is I don't get to have a second conversation with that pre-Christian. I get to have the second one with with the brother or sister in Christ. Friends, we are that church that your pastors warned you about. That's funny, isn't it? We're, we're that church your pastors warned you about. Yes, you, either way, yeah, thank you. We're that church. We're that church that gets called friend of sinners. And instead of recoiling, We wear it as a badge of honor. Jesus got called that. 
He hung out with too many sinners, and the religious people said, you're, you're a friend of sinners. And they meant it to be, a, to be a negative statement. They meant it to be a slang that they would throw against him. And Jesus took it, he dusted it off, and put it on him like a name tag and said, friend of sinners. Glad to be called that. We get messages, we get emails about people who come to our churches. Do you know that this person is, is doing this? You got, people, you got people in your church who are sleeping with people they're not even married to. You got people in your church who are felons. You got people in your church who are, who are addicts. You got people in your church who are this. And I go, yeah, that's kind of the point, right? Yeah, we're, we're friends of sinners. That's the point is, is we, we have that relationship and we're, we're sharing that truth with them. But of course, no one has to get their life cleaned up before they come and experience this and try to hear about it and, and try to apply it to their life. We're a friend of sinners. Acts Church will do what other churches won't do in order to reach people that other churches won't reach. And this isn't saying that what those churches are doing is bad. It's not. I'm not saying they're not doing something good. We are doing something good. I'm saying they're doing something and they're going to reach certain people. We're willing to do what they're not in order to reach the people they're not. That's why we were called here as a church. We were called to do that. And we're not worried about the controversy. So we're willing to talk in a way and speak in a way that sometimes it causes controversy. Like doing things like a walking dead Easter where people go, you're literally doing your Easter service around a zombie TV show? They go, yeah, we're doing our Easter service around a zombie TV show. So we're willing to do some of these crazy things because we're, we're reaching those people who, who they won't. And that's the point. Friends, we will do anything short of sin to reach people with Jesus. Anything up to sin. We won't step into the line of sin, but we will do anything short of sin in order to reach those for Jesus. Whatever it takes, however we communicate, because that is our calling as a church. Controversy follows Jesus. We follow Jesus, so controversy follows us. Now, what does this mean for you? If you are going to be a follower of Jesus, you cannot be scared of controversy. It is part of the territory. He will bring you peace, but he will also bring you some controversy in your day-to-day right now. When you say you really believe this, when you begin to follow this out, there will be controversy around. There will be people who disagree with you and disagree with you sharply. And in that moment, you're going to have to decide whether or not you want peace or whether or not you want truth. Do you want inconvenient truth or do you want convenient lies? Do you want to steer away from controversy or do you want to steer into what is true? And, and you have to deal with that controversy where you say, my opinion's not going to change. I know this is true. Well, then you have to get comfortable with some controversy. It's part of the game. It came with Jesus. If you think you can be a Christian and you're never going to have to deal with it, I think that you're mistaken. Think about it this way. If Jesus' life was full of controversy, full of controversy, and we follow him, how could we expect our life to be free from it? It doesn't even make sense, does it? It doesn't even make sense consciously. His life was full of controversy. We're following this controversial Savior. Of course there's going to be controversy in our life. So you need to get used to it. You need to get comfortable with it when it comes. It also means that if you're going to be part of Acts Church, you can't be afraid of a little bit of controversy because it is coming. It is coming, it has come before, and it will come again. I'm telling you, we are that church that gets talked about, and that's okay. And you need to be okay with saying, I know that we're following after Jesus. And when someone says, oh, I think that place is a cult, I think that place is this, you have to just be able to roll with it and say, I I think you're mistaken. What we do is we talk about Jesus. That's what we do. 
You'll have people saying, that's not a real church. It's funny, because for not being a real church, they talk about Jesus, and hundreds of people have gotten saved there. So I don't know, I don't know how that's happening if, if you're not a real church. But You're going to have to deal with the controversy. It's going to come. And let me tell you this, just, just two quick things. One, you don't ever have to defend X church. You don't ever have to. Jesus is the one who defends us. People all the time will message me and try to start a fight. A lot of times, like, like 99.9% of the time, if I don't think that I'm actually going to be able to correct something in them, I don't even send them a response. Jesus is the one who fights my fights. I don't fight them. I really don't care. We know what we're doing, so we're not going to take our eyes off of the prize in order to have conversations down here about this, right? Our eyes are on Jesus. We're not going to steer our eyes away from it to go ahead and go sling mud with people down here. We're going to focus on what we're doing and keep walking forward. There's one time that Jesus, these guys wanted to talk to him. They tried to call him out. And he says, you tell that fox I'm too busy. That was his comment. I love that one. I always think of that in my mind. I'm too busy doing what God has for me in order to step into that. But you have to be comfortable with it because it's going to come and you're going to be in that place where you say, controversy follows Jesus. When people say, did they really do that? Did they really say that? That you have in your mind, hey, controversy follows Jesus. If we're following him, we're going to have it too. Do me a favor and pray with me. Jesus, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you for how good you are. I thank you for the fact that you are a controversial Savior. And the reason why that's so important is because if you brought no controversy, it means that you brought no change. And we know that the situation we were in needed desperately to be changed. Lord, we choose controversial truth out of just easy lies. Jesus, I pray that you would give us strength inside of us. Lord, that as we follow you, as we walk out our faith, that we would not be afraid, we would not shy away from controversy, knowing that it comes from following you. Jesus, I pray that you would help our church to never shy away from controversy either. Instead, we would keep our eyes firmly fixed on you, and we would walk out our faith and our calling and our mission with that focus. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.